Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show. I've never had it so good sports radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. We are live this evening. Happy Memorial Day to everyone, and have a safe travel back home if that's what you're going to do this evening or tomorrow. I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Duck Riley and Tim Ward. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, Precious, glad to be back, Precious. Awesome. Glad to be with you. Tim Ward? I'm glad to be with you. Thank you. All right. We still got some Memorial Day going on in my home, so I'm going to turn this over to you all after we welcome in um, Mr. Tony Wise. Mr. Tony Wise, how are you? Very good, thank you. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time out to be with us today. Anything for my buddy Dave. <laughs> <laughs> if I had He's a been nickel for every good time to me, I heard that. I've got to return the favor. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Duck and Tim take over. Uh, again, like like she like Princess said, uh, Coach Wise, we appreciate you being on. But what we like to do is just kind of jump into, kind of give us a little bit of your background for the listeners. Who is Tony Wise? Well, that would take a long time. But anyway, I was <laughs> a upstate New York, and I I was like a lot of coaches. I was affected by my guys that taught me in high school, you know, physical education teachers, and I wanted to be a coach. So I went to Ithaca College and uh, was a physical physical education major with designs to be a high school in some regards. And uh, I could not get a job as a high school physical education teacher at the time when I graduated, so I ended up – Albany State, Bob Ford, very famous guy up there in the Albany area, Division Three, offered me a job, not, not paying, and uh, I started Albany State at seventy in '73. And then, uh, and Dave knows the routine. You just follow. This guy tells you this job's open, and this guy. So I went to Albany State, Bridgeport, Central Connecticut, and then uh, Dave Campbell was on the staff. And Dave Campo was had higher aspirations than I did. I tell everybody that one of my uh, there was a job open at Middlebury, and I wanted the Middlebury assistant football, assistant hockey, assistant lacrosse. That was a job that I would I would have died for in 1974. And uh, but Dave Campo had higher aspirations, and he said, Tony, come on and. Dave was at Pitt at the time and uh, whatever year that was, and he went to Washington State as a secondary coach with Jackie Sherrill. And he convinced me to to come with him, so I started working for Coach Sherrill in 76. And as people that know their history, Johnny Majors won the championship in 76 and left to go to Tennessee. Jackie uh, takes the Pitt job and – he calls me and says, what are you doing? Get your butt back here. I want you as a graduate assistant. 
So I walked in and I shook hands with Dave Wanstead, Jimmy Johnson, Foge Fazio uh, on that pit staff. So that's mm-hmm. what that's what got me going. Jimmy got the Oklahoma State job. He hired me as the line coach, and then and then obviously I'm with Jimmy. So I was down at Miami. I was up at Syracuse, and then as people know, Jimmy comes in one day. We're having drinks down at his Mexican place, and he says, "Tony." What do you think? You want to coach for the Dallas Cowboys? And I said, please. I said, you know, let's talk about something serious. And he says, no. He says, my buddy's going to, you know, and I I got to know Jerry. I had known Jerry because Jimmy and Jerry were such good buddies. And we played Arkansas. And uh, he says, Jerry's buying the team. I says, well, so I got on the plane. And then that's, you know, that, that Dallas Cowboys and, followed Dave up to Chicago, and then just a, a number of different spots. <laughs> Coach, uh, and, I, and I, I listened to you, but when you were in middle school, high school, did you did you see this path at all? Oh, no. As I said, Dave, I, I wanted to be – I envisioned myself as a high school football coach, baseball coach, whatever I could – and that's what Ithaca, you know, Ithaca prepared us to teach and coach almost every sport. So that was uh, how was a, a a backup guard at Shaker High School going to coach in the NFL? I I never saw that. <laughs> so um, all I was doing was trying to be the best. That's one of the wonderful thing about Ithaca. Played for Jim Butterfield, who you know. And uh, I was trying to be the best coach, the teacher that I could possibly be. That's what I was trying to do. Now, Coach, what, what did you take out of coaching college football in the pros? Well, Dave, it goes back – it really goes back to Jimmy and, and a number of these guys. Bob Ford was that way and uh, – just a number of these guys, Coach Butterfield, is is keep things simple, uh, have discipline, have discipline in the meeting room, discipline on the practice field. Uh, Coach Butterfield was, you know, show up to the practice prepared, uh, knowing what you're going to do in this drill. You know, it, you've only got so much time. Uh, and I'm talking to you. You know what's going on. So you've only got so much time. So be prepared run quality drills that have something to do with preparing them for the game. And uh, uh, so the college thing was, yeah, because you had, you you weren't coaching an All-American at Oklahoma State. So Jimmy's thing was, Jimmy's thing was do not ever sit in this meeting room and complain to me that you don't have the best left guard in the big eight. He says, I'm expecting you to go out and coach these guys and make these guys as good as they possibly can be. And that's what I took away from Jimmy. There's no complaining. You know, you've got these seven guys. Let's go and try to win games with them. And do not complain. And that's what I learned from him. Okay, wow. Uh, Now you're in the pros. The difference between coaching college players and now you're coaching guys, a professional who's earning a paycheck. I now, 
Dave, now I think it could be different, okay? But in 1989, when I walked into that room, I had, I had been schooled up by a guy named Dan, Dan Radikovich, who had, uh, had been the Steelers' offensive line coach through a lot of their success. And I got to know him. Joe Moore was on our staff, famous line coach. So I had had – I felt I had a great background – that this is the way things need to be done. So I had confidence when I walked into the Dallas meeting room that, look, guys, this is, the, this is what we're doing. This is the drill we're doing. I want you to lead off the ball this way. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And, uh, you know, people talk about raising your voice and things. What, what it's mis, misleading with that is, is that I had enthusiasm so I wanted to see the left guard be good at something. So I had enthusiasm, and I reacted positively when the left guard did something well. So I had a lot of confidence that, uh, hey, this is the way to do it. Now, these guys were fantastic. I, I never had any kind of problem with anybody. But, again, back then there was no cell phones, so there was, no, there was none of that. So it was, it was a wonderful time to coach. And, and Dave, you've heard this, you know this with all the guys you've been around, the guy wants to get better. So if you walk in there and you're showing this guy things that can make him a better player, he's all ears. You know, uh, check it out, you know, when you're coaching Dallas. You were part of the, the Super Bowl team? Yes, yeah, nineteen ninety-two. Yeah, how was that? Yeah, if you could tell the list, how, how was that experience? Well, North Turner and I talk about this all the time. The experience was we were trying to win again. This goes back to the head coach and and uh, Jimmy and the way we operated is that we were trying to win the next game. So I don't want to mislead anybody that that we were we saw something coming uh we we were in a very difficult division obviously philly with uh reggie white clyde simmons um uh the giants uh cardinals so that was a tough division and uh all we did was the next game the next game and then we we beat philly to get into the oh that first round yeah we beat philly and then we went out and played San Francisco in the championship. And uh, it was just nip and tuck. And uh, Turner's got a great line when somebody asked him, when did, you, when did you know you were going to the Super Bowl? And Norv's line was, well, when they put that hat on my head in the, in the San Francisco locker room, that's when I knew <laughs> we were going to the Super Bowl. And I, and I agree completely with him. I, I agree completely. Yeah. And coach, and I, I think you know a lot of people are not aware how difficult it is, not only to go to the Super Bowl, but to go back and play, play in the championship game. Well, yes, it's it's extremely difficult because your schedule gets a little bit tougher, and and all those, you know, they talk about those psychological things. You're on top, and and you got to keep working at it. So you beat it, but it comes from the top. And Jimmy was a great leader that way. 
And that Jimmy kept things simple. Jimmy kept things awfully simple. I, I don't want to – one of his great lines to the team was, he says, guys, look, don't worry about fame and fortune. If we win, there's going to be enough for everybody before the horse. Okay. And, Coach, and, and you worked up on uh, Coach Weinstein. What, what, did you, what, you, what did you take from him? Well, he was – Dave was similar to Jimmy. Obviously, he got all that stuff from Jimmy. Uh, Dave was a very hands-on guy with the players. Dave had a great affinity for the players, knowing the his, you know, obviously knowing him and the wife and maybe the kids and knowing more about his background. So Dave was just wonderful that way. And um, uh, so he just, Dave cared about the kids, you know, when he was at Pitt and, and uh, when Chicago and the Dolphins, he, he cared about guys and guys knew that. Okay, and coach, and you end up coaching with the Panthers. Uh, who was the head coach then? George Seifert. Oh, okay. He was the defensive coordinator when they won a couple Super Bowls at San Fran, and I think he took a year off, and then he wanted to get back in it. So Mr. Richardson hired him with the Panthers. Yeah. Okay. It, did did you have a relationship? How how did that work out? Because it, a lot of times it's about relationships and you know and people wh- who work with you find out jobs that are open and they recommend you. How, how did that work? Getting with, getting in with the Panthers. Well, you hit it right on the head. <clears throat> you hit it right on the head. Is that uh, now? I I I must have been doing something right and and. There were people that recommended guys on the staff. Gil Haskell was on the staff because Coach Seifert, George had to put this staff together without knowing a lot of guys. He had been at San Fran forever, so he was flying blind a little bit with with getting guys to recommend guys. And I had I must have had somebody say, hey, you know, this wise guy knows what he's doing a little bit, so they called me. And uh, I interviewed with the Giants, and then I interviewed when Fossil was there, and I interviewed with the Panthers, and uh, and the Panthers. Uh, I took the job. It was a wonderful. It was a wonderful time. He was all. I learned all about the uh, about the West Coast offense and how they did things because everything he did was right from uh, Bill Walsh. Everything, meeting times, practice times, offense, defense, everything was Bill Walsh. So that was a great learning experience. Yeah, and you're speaking of that, Coach, do you know how many different offenses that you were part of and in, in trying to implement your, your blocking scheme with each offense? Yes, interesting. Uh, although I was one of these guys that, that I, I had as much input as I could have. But then like when Norv Turner, we hired Norv from the Rams at Dallas and Norv came in and Norv took their film and says, this is how I want to do it. These are the, these are the 10 running plays I want. And these are the whatever. 
And again, Jimmy was, that, that comes down to Jimmy, said Norv was the boss. And I says, fine. I said, so I just sat there and and uh, I I implemented whatever, what exactly what Norv wanted. Exactly what Norv wanted. Now I put, again, through Radakovich and Joe Moore, things like that, I had my techniques that were related to it, but what Norv wanted is I was doing. Okay. And what George wanted, I did. If George George said, Tony, this is the way Bob McKittrick did it, the line coach 49ers, I said, yes, sir. And just, you know, that's why I was brought up, you know, salute and move forward. And I put, you know, little subtleties I may have been coaching, but uh, what they wanted, I did, yes. Now, Coach, uh, before I bring uh, Tim in, I just want to know, you, you've coached overseas, correct? No, I never coached overseas, no. Okay. I thought you guys went over and did camps and stuff. Okay. Uh, no, no. Okay. I went to a clinic in Germany, but it was just okay. a two-day clinic. Okay. And, and Coach, with that – with the experience, how how are they as far as understanding exactly what you you guys were trying to get across to them? Well, it's <laughs> the Germans are just now. It was made evident to me when I was over there again, just a two day experience. But they made it evident to me that say, "Now, Tony, look." Our, our culture, we're trying to learn English because it's been impressed upon us in order to make, in order to make it in the world business-wise, you have to know English. Okay, fine. So I came across all these coaches, and it was easy. You know, they're all speaking English. Now, the rudimentary part of it, stance, and various things like that. That that uh, takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of work. They're they're it's rudimentary. This was a while ago, but it's still pretty rudimentary. Yep. Even catching the ball, because you know you look at their sports, and I'm not sure if they have many things where they catch. Because hmm. that, that's very interesting. Because now that you're saying that. You're right. Besides basketball, right? Hmm. They're not playing okay. baseball. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right, uh, Tim. Coach Wise, I, I really enjoyed uh, listening to you. Um, I, I was uh, I was really sort of surprised. I didn't know that Wanstead and Johnson were at Pitt uh, early in your career. Yeah. Um, 19, yes. Yep. Oh, tremendous, tremendous. Uh, now, you guys went on to Oklahoma State. Were you on the Miami that won the national title as well down there? Yes, with, uh, I was. Johnson? Yep. Yes, I was. Uh, was 30 was, for uh, 30, the U. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about those guys, when those guys are coming down the plane uh, ramp with their fatigues, I was right behind them. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that experience because that was a program that had recently been turned around. They won the national championship under Coach Snellenberger. He left. 
Jimmy Johnson came in, and that's when the tradition started, when they started to become perennial national powers in Miami. Uh, talk to us about the atmosphere in Miami at that time, because a lot of people don't know, uh, before that, Miami had pretty much been a professional football town, uh, and uh, the Hurricanes turned that whole thing around, the whole atmosphere well, of the city. Well, and if you, Tim, if you, if you watch, if you remember the 30 for 30, Benny Blades makes the comment that when he was in high school, Burger King was giving away hurricane tickets. So if you <laughs> bought a Big Mac, you could get two tickets to a hurricane game. I mean, that's Benny's early remembrances. And uh, the the Miami thing, and I think it, it goes to this day right now with Mario, is the fact that it's very, very misunderstood. We had some of the worst facilities Weight room was disgusting. The meeting room was where I had a, I met underneath the one staircase, and there was a little bit of a leak that would come down, and uh, it was just horrible. But Jimmy was not in that mode, and and this obviously this is was this eighty five eighty six. So Jimmy was not in that mode of saying we need beautiful weight room for us to block and tackle. We, we don't okay. need that. So we had a great staff of guys. We had about four guys holdovers from Coach Snellenberger's uh, group. And then we had the group that came in from Oklahoma State, myself, Butch Davis, Dave. Uh, Dave. Anyway, so, again, that goes back. Here's the story that I try to ex- explain to people. Uh, we were obviously so great on defense, Jerome Brown. Russell, yeah. Maryland, Randy Shannon, uh, Bernard, uh, the Blades brothers, uh, we were sensational on defense. Yeah. So Jimmy's attitude was we'd have a scrimmage on May, not May, uh, uh, April, and obviously down there the humidity was 86% Saturday morning. We'd go out and have a uh, scrimmage, and, and we would give up seven sacks, We'd rush the ball for 40 yards, and <laughs> and the quarterbacks may have thrown five interceptions. And I had a friend of mine say to me, well, gosh, Tony, was Jimmy ready to fire you the next day? And I said, you're missing the point. Jimmy, come on, let's go. We're going to have, we're going to have uh, beers and uh, nachos. Okay, let's go. Because Jimmy knew one thing. That was the best defense that we were going to play against. Mm. And that okay. is where people don't understand Jimmy's, uh, uh, his brilliance. And that we struggled, but again, so we'd go play somebody in the next. And, and it was like, uh, anyway. So that's the way Jimmy was. There's a lot of guys probably would have had a meeting that afternoon and started cussing out the line coach and the quarterback coach and all the rest of it. Jimmy knew. He says, hey, so Jerome Brown's going to be one of the best in the whole country. I'm not yeah. worried if we can't block him. Wow. That's, that's tremendous. Coach, coach let, me, let me ask you one more question, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of the way. Um, when you went to Dallas, you were coaching offensive line. During the time when, when you were at Dallas, they were considered probably the best offensive line uh, uh, or they became the best offensive line in the yes, NFL. Yes, if you saw that's the the great wall by NFL Films. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, yep. and you had a couple of guys on there, uh, Nate Newton and uh, 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 Eric Williams, who were from small schools, from HBCUs. Yes. Uh, how did you integrate them into uh, playing with guys like Stepnowski and Two and A and, and, and Tim? I got to tell you, you're you're being way too analytical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, I don't care where Nate was from. <laughs> Nate loved to hit people. He was plenty smart enough. He was a heck of a good athlete for his size and all the rest of it. Uh, again, and I, I, as I, as I was, as I've told you, Jimmy instructed us: you go in and start coaching these guys, and I don't want to hear any negative. Just start coaching guys. That's why I was brought up. So I walked into that meeting room, and, and Nate loved to hit guys. That's all I needed. Okay, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. And then Eric Williams, I, I it would take me a half hour to explain to you the Eric Williams thing, but Eric, we, we drafted him third round, and there was three guys, two from Tennessee, Pat Harlow from USC went to New England. You put the film on of Eric at Central State, Right. As I tell people, he was trying to murder everybody that he played against. <laughs> <laughs> so I I put in my report, this guy's trying to murder everybody. <laughs> and when he came to camp, that's what he tried to do. So it was just, again, you evaluated how tough is he, and then it was my job to not make the offense so complicated that he couldn't figure it out. But he was plenty smart enough. Tremendous, tremendous job. Coach, <laughs> I'm going to turn this back over to Doug. <laughs> hey, Coach, we got to get ready for another show, man, but it's been a great yeah. pleasure, Coach. You've <laughs> got, you got to come back, Coach. You've got to come back for us. <laughs> you call me. You call me. i got more stories than shake a stick at, yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Hey, for Never Headed So Good Radio, Princess Cooper, Tim Moore, and myself. Hey, we're out. Thank you, Coach Wise. All right, Dave.